Despite all the so-called scientific evidence in evolution, God's Word is quite clear on the origin of man. Listen to this wise perspective from Mike McIntosh. It reminds the reader that each reader is special, that there's something about you that is special, that you didn't evolve from uh, some amoeba or some peanut butter and jelly floating in the ocean. You, you weren't some accident. You, di- you didn't just happen. God very meticulously thought each one of you out. He thought about everything about you. He realized he designed you. And you may be as distant from him as you are from a chili cheeseburger right now. You just, you have no clue of who he is. But he says, let not the rich man glory in his wealth, nor the strong man glory in his strength. And don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. But if any man's going to glory, let him glory in this, that he understands and knows me, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. So God wants you to know him. And I'll stand up and shout, and I'll praise you, Lord Tuning in to the Tuesday edition of Chapter and Verse with our teacher, Pastor Mike McIntosh. The word psalm means sacred song, and they're a collection of poems and songs giving us important ways to talk to the Lord through praise, confession, cries for help, and through worship. Our text, Psalm 139, goes into great detail on God's creation of man and how intricate we are. Nothing that could randomly by chance just come together. But through media and the world systems, we've been duped into thinking we are no better than the animals, without a soul and without consequences. Now let's join Mike and hear the concluding segment of The Erosion of Innocence. Even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me so I can sneak around and God's not going to see what I'm doing. Surely if I say that or I camouflage myself or I become invisible... If I try that, even the night shall be light about me. Yes, if the darkness hides not from you, God, but the night shines as day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. There's no way that King David, in writing the psalm, ever knew about night goggles or night vision that some of you in the military have or some of you just have because you're weird. That you can put these babies on and you can look into the dark and you can see down the street. Or how about those of you that are in the black ops that have thermal imaging that would allow you to look through concrete and be able to see who is in this room. Or that you'd have the technology to scan everybody's wallet or purse and say how many 20 bills with the little silver thing are inside of this room. How much cash is in that house. Or a sniper at one mile away that could have a caliber of a bullet so penetrating it could come through concrete and get the bad guy inside of that building and nobody would even know. There's no way that David knew that darkness would be light to God and that God is everywhere and he can illuminate everything. But he started out by, by saying, you've searched me, O Lord, and you know me. So he had a relationship going here with God. Okay, I can't hide from you. So I love what Dennis had in his song that he's a bigger savior than we are a sinner. Because the devil would like you to think that you're not worth saving. So commit suicide. So go through a divorce. Abort the baby. Get angry. Get mad. Live for greed, power, lust, whatever. There's no value to human life. 
And that's just what the propaganda machine is pounding out every day, every night, trying to beat you down and beat you down and make you nothing but a religious knitter, if not more a religious nut. Now, this isn't an attack against just the cross on Mount Soledad. This is an attack that's in all of our education system. It's everywhere. God, we're told in Psalm 2, the second psalm, why do the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing and say, let us break our cords and cast our bands asunder. We want no connection with heaven and earth. We want this to be a total secular society. The Psalms already knew what was going on today. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me, no, that's not true. They say that there's no scientific instrument is as sensitive to light as a person's eye. In the dark, its sensitivity increases, did you know this, a hundred thousand times. And you can detect a glow a thousand times dimmer than a candle's flame. How powerful are your eyes that God created that you can see a moon that's 243,000 miles away from you? Or you can look light years into outer space at night and your eyes are so sensitive you can see the nebula. You can see Orion. You can see the star beetle geese on the left shoulder of the constellation Orion with this belt buckle sticking out of those three stars in the side. And you can go to your encyclopedia and say, Oh, beetle geese. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that Edward Scissors, Hans' brother or something? I forget who that was. Wasn't that Johnny Depp's cousin, beetle geese? And you'll read that that one star is a pulsating star just like your heartbeat. Ba-boom. Ba-boom. And it expands out to 400 million miles in diameter. And when it contracts, it goes down to 270 million miles. And the Bible says in the Psalms, the ones following this one, in fact, that God, you have named and called every star and numbered them. Do you even know where your car keys are right now? God knows every star out there. And he placed them out there and flung them with his fingertips. No, God is a powerful God. He made you. You are a special woman. You're a special man. Your children are special. You need to stand up and stand for righteousness and resist this evil that has come to our country to strip us of all of our rights. This is what the revolution was about, that men and women and families stood to protect themselves, to believe and to understand the word of God. The ear, just God making the ear, is as much an acoustical marvel as the eye is an optic one. The inner ear in itself is like a keyboard with 15,000 keys in your inner ear. And that is the same number of tones that can be detected by your ear. Now, this was peanut butter and jelly floating together. This was a monkey's uncle scratching a flea off of another monkey in the zoo. This is what you came from. And yet, how did the selection process say 15,000 tones, each human being gets 15,000 keys? Now, the bass player this morning is probably one of the best well-known music producers in all of Nashville. And uh, he can hear things that you and I can't hear. Those 15,000 keys are in tune. In the first service, Dennis was tuning his guitar as he was talking, and he was playing a song by tuning his guitar, but I knew he was tuning, and I could hear that the last note, he had timed it perfectly, that when he got that last string in tune, that he went right into that song. But he was playing the song in an abstract, and he was doing it because his mind is like that. 
the audience didn't really pick up on it. And I asked him, I said, is that what you're doing? He said, yeah, it was. How did you pick up on that? You have 15,000 keys, think of a piano, that are working right now, picking up my intonations and picking up my sound, that you can hear a trumpet blast as opposed to an electric guitar, as opposed to a harmonica. You can hear French, that it is different than German. It's because God created this. Isn't it interesting? Proverbs chapter 20. Again, the word of God, verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made even both of them. No, you're not an accident. There's no way you're an accident. Your hair color, well, some of you have dyed it, I can see, but uh, your hair color, God said she's going to be petite. She'll be five foot one. She probably won't ever get over 118 pounds. She'll have brown hair, hazel eyes. She'll have long fingers. He will be six foot four. He'll be 230 pounds at, at his max. He'll be able to carry that weight. He will be able to have long, strong arms and legs and will be able to lift a lot of weight. He will be Barney Fife from Mayberry. He won't have any strength at all, but he'll have a really sharp and clever little humorous mind. God thought you out. Look at verse 13. For you have possessed my reins. You've got the horses going and the stagecoach and on the wagon and he possesses the reins. He's in charge. He's controlled everything from the brain working to your heart beating to your lungs working. He's in control. He's got it there. You have covered me in my mother's womb. It's supposed to be the safest place for a human being. But the devil hates the human race so much he has convinced people, kill your offspring. And there is not an animal or a bird or a fish Anything in all of creation that kills its own offspring. But we, the human race, have turned from God. And being godless and not having God's holy word, we have no options other than what we choose to do. When you go to the first verse, the first chapter, the go- uh, not the gospel, but the book of Ruth, it says, in the days that the kings did judge, the judges did reign. But you go to the page to your left, the 21st chapter, the 25th verse of the book of Judges, it says in the days of Judges that Ruth starts out from, that there was no king in the land. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You see, we used to be a people that had a king. And his word is how we did our best to live. And if we couldn't live up to his standard, we could at least confess to him and ask his forgiveness, and he would forgive us. But now we do what is right in our own eyes and we say, don't mess with me. But we do want to get religion under control and we do want you knitters to be out of sight so that science can come and be the God that we'll worship. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now he didn't say I'm fearfully and perfectly made. God listened to Moses saying, I can't go speak to these people. I'm sorry, I've got a speech problem. He said, have I not made the halt, the maim, the lame, the deaf, and the dumb? So you will go, Moses. No, fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you see that animation of one of the cells? It had feet that was walking down that line, and it was carrying part of the cell to keep your body working. I mean, God has thought that out. That's all going on inside of you as you sit here. My substance, look at this. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret. When the man fell in love with the woman and the sperm and the egg came together and then the multiplication process and the genes and the chromosome and the DNA started functioning, then the chains and the lines started coming and the fetus started, to, the embryo started to grow and then the fetus and then all of a sudden there it is. It's a little boy, it's a little girl, it's a precious human being. 
something priceless, made in the image and the likeness of God Almighty. And the world is fighting so hard. Get rid of that book. Get rid of anything that gives a human being an option other than what science and man's thinking would present. No, my substance wasn't hid from God. He knew. It wasn't an accident. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfected. And notice this. In your book, in your book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So God wrote down, Bone structure, skeleton with your name in his book, color of eyes, the DNA, the chromosome, the gene. He set down there the length of your legs, size of your kneecap. Every little thing was written down in a book. And then he says, and in continuance, otherwise God not only thought you out, he verified it. When you get to heaven, you get not a baby book, you get your book of how he thought of you. Isn't it something that the whole time you've been alive on planet Earth, it's been busy being a human as opposed to a son or a daughter of your Creator and enjoying Him and loving Him? And not only in continuance were they fashioned, you thought it out, you wrote it down, now you've fashioned out who I am, yet none of it even existed, and you brought it into being. A number of years ago, a chemist computed the chemical content of your body. And he estimated your worth at about 98 cents. That's what you're worth. Another scientist figured out that the atoms in the body could actually produce 11,400,000 kilowatts of power per pound. And if you could harness that power, according to his computation in the dollar value at that time, a man weighing 150 pounds would be worth $85.5 billion. Just if you could harness that energy that the atoms have inside of you. In an issue of Sunshine Magazine, it compares the human mind to a computer. And it stated that scientists were asked, would you please determine the size, the cooling system, and the power required to perform electronically the same functions that are automatically accomplished by a human's brain during his lifetime? What would it take for an engineer to design the functions that are automatically accomplished by your brain, even as you're sitting here, to perform electronically, and the power of that, the cooling system, and what size would this be? So they decided that if all the parts were miniaturized and put to a miniature scale and transistorized and made into chips like those that send our space shuttle out and our international space station and rockets to the moon, this is what would be needed to duplicate what your brain does normally. Quote, a machine the size of the United Nations building in New York City, a cooling system with output equal to Niagara Falls, and a power source that would produce as much electricity as is used in the homes and all industry in the entire state of California. So you think that you're an accident? You think there's no creator? Come on. There isn't a human being anywhere that could design how fearfully and wonderfully you have been designed. Now, it would be religion if we stopped right there. Oh, he made me. He did this. He did that. I'm fearfully, wonderfully. Oh, you know about my hearing and my eyesight and my heartbeat. But it goes on to close in verse 17. How precious. And the word also. By the way, God, this is important too. How precious also are your thoughts to me. See, he didn't make a remote control airplane here. He didn't make you a robot. 
He didn't make you a cardboard cutout. He didn't make you a marionette puppet that can dance around. He's thinking about you right now. He saw you this morning. He saw you get up. He knows what time you're going to bed. He knows if we're going to die this afternoon. He knows everything. But you're thinking about me. And not only are you thinking, but these are precious thoughts. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, one, two, three, God's thinking three good things. No, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty. Dennis, could you come out and help me count the thoughts that he's thinking of me? All of you, could you think of how many thoughts? No, he says, if I should count them, they're more in number than the sand. But when I wake, I'm still with you. Every morning, he says, I wake up and, God, you're there. I know you're there. Isn't your morning like that? That's the first thing I think of. I'm awake. I'm alive. God, you're there. God, would you take this day? Would you use me? So he's also saying, when you hit the deck and you die, that you wake up into eternity with God. You're not an accident. You may be angry at God. You may shake your fist at God. But you're no fool. It's the fool that has said in his heart, there is no God. Surely you will slay the wicked, O God. That's, that's no doubt. Depart from me, therefore, you bloody men, you that kill humans. For they speak against you wickedly, God. Your enemies take your name in vain. They swear using your name. Do not I hate them, O Lord. I am so angry. I hate those that hate you. Am not I grieved with those that rise up against you? You see, the psalmist was saying what I think Ben Stein's new movie, Expelled, is saying. And he does. There is a clip that he says, I don't care what. I'm going to stand up and say, there is a God who has made me. And you know, you need to take that stand. And if you believe that, then you need to know that he loves you so much. He knew that as a created being, you are going to dissipate in about 70 years full expansion time. And when that's over, the real you inside will come out of the body that dies, but you will be held accountable. You have searched me. Surely I hate them that hate you. And am not I grieved with those that rise against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. He has a right to hate them. I count them my enemies. And I count them my enemies that would tell your boys and girls that there is no God and that they can't love God, they can't believe in Jesus, that the Bible and God, they're all fairy tales. You're a bunch of knitters, a bunch of nerds, a bunch of outcasts when this is the real battle. And look in closing what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, test me, know my thoughts, what's going on in this head. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't that interesting? He says, search me. But in the very first verse of this psalm, he says, oh Lord, you have searched me. You see, like that program running in the back, he's searching you. He knows you. He knows where you're headed right now for eternity. But there comes a time when you have to give him the right and say, I surrender my life to you. Search me. And see if there's any wicked way. Find anything in here that I could get it out of my life. Your body is, as Hal Boyle said, your body is far more intricate than the federal highway system in the United States of America. Inside you, each one of you sitting here this morning, some 100,000 miles of nerve fibers are in you, along which messages zip at speeds of over 300 miles per hour. Your brain is going to say, okay, it's time to go. I better stand up. I better get these lower back muscles, talk to my thighs and my hips. Okay, now I'm pushing off with the balls of my feet. I'm standing. My heartbeat just went up. 
faster because the brain is telling it. A hundred thousand miles inside of you that you never think of, but God designed you that way. So in conclusion, one way we can see David would hate the haters of God when we realize that God made us in his image and likeness, what right do these people have to tell us we're going to be managed and put under control when our God is the creator of everything? He's our father. And you're royalty, ladies and gentlemen, and you need to stand up for him. It does disrupt our souls to see the sick world around us try its best to erode and to steal our innocence, to destroy our faith and to challenge our God and to mock his creation. When God called young Jeremiah, a teenager, to be a prophet, he said to him, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet, and I sanctified you to go to the nations. So you and I must learn. We have to listen carefully to the Spirit of God when he calls us and he speaks to us. The prophet Elijah stood before Israel just like I would stand before the United States of America today and say, how long do you halt between two opposing opinions? Either you belong to God or you belong to the devil. Let's get it settled today. It's one of the two. Either the devil is your dad and God is willing to adopt you or the Lord is your dad and he's the one who created you. And you have to make that decision. He said, how long do you hold between two opposing opinions? Choose you this day whom you shall serve. Either Baal, the God of the devil, or Jehovah, the living God of all creation. It's time to take a stand in your life. The line has to be drawn. You have to realize this is the battleground. Are you a created being? Are you an accident that just happened? And if you're an accident, let other people think for you. Let other people politicize you. Let other people manipulate you. Let other people just make up your mind for you and don't ever think again. But if you've been created by one who not only thought you out perfectly, but he loves you and has the way for you to make it into eternity, then you need to surrender to God. Jeremiah, Joshua said in chapter 24, the 14th verse of Joshua, Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and serve him in truth. And put away the gods of your fathers that served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem an evil thing for you to start serving the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites who were right in front of them that they were going to battle, in whose land you dwell. But as for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. You've got to be brave and take a stand for God. You have to. Because your eternal well-being demands it. You can either give up and be a marshmallow, or you can stand up and you can stand for God and let his power work through you to honor and glory, glorify him, to praise him, to cry out to him. And this is what the Psalms are about. They give you wisdom and intelligence and they make you think and they prod you and they poke you and they show you there's something else going on other than primetime news. And it's about you and your maker. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, as we bow our hearts before you, we're so grateful that you are not a dummy, that you are an intelligent creator. And um, man has created religion. You've created eternal life. And so as we listen to the words carefully of those that hate you and don't believe in you and propagate their negative feelings, they hang themselves 
Just the word church means that their target is Christian. It's Bible believers. It's people that have found salvation. It's people who have been forgiven. It's any propagation of that message. It's no secret what they're after, Lord. I think the secret, though, is for these people that are standing in front of you that so desperately need you. And I pray, Father God, in Jesus Christ's name, that you'd have mercy on all of our souls and that our hearts would hunger and thirst and we would stand like David and we would stand like Joshua and we'd stand like Jeremiah and say, Lord, you have wonderfully, fearfully made me. Before I was even formed in my mother's womb, you knew me and thought me out. And now, Lord, I humble myself before you and I ask you to forgive me my sins, that I could stand for you, that I could stand in the name of Jesus Christ Almighty and be alive forever. Give me wisdom to see and to hear your voice in Jesus' precious, holy name. We're made in the image of God, and through His Son, Jesus Christ, we can spend eternity with Him when we ask Christ into our hearts and begin to live our lives for Him. Don't let this world take away your innocence. Allow the Word of God to cover you and shield you from the lies of Satan. If today's broadcast has caused you to realize that perhaps you need additional spiritual direction to help answer some of the questions you may have about a relationship with God, His Son Jesus Christ, and the call He has for your life, then may I direct you to our website. There you can click on the Know God link. You'll find insight and resources there to help you. The address is MikeMcIntosh.com. And from this site, you'll also be able to access a wide variety of audio teachings by Mike on practical and personal spiritual topics. Again, it's MikeMcIntosh.com. Tomorrow, we'll continue our series in Psalms. Chapter and Verse is presented by Horizon International Ministries. And I'll stand up and shout.